You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> Go, 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 I'm go. warning you. Oh, I think I have a crush. I think I have a crush. Oh, I'm falling for him. Oh, no. I can't believe this song starts this way. Haven't made bad choices since the beginning of time. Billie Eilish as Lauren in the Hollywood Bowl 2022. <laughs> Is that actually happening? No, I'm just like putting it out in the universe. They're going like, to do Kinky Boots at Hollywood Bowl in 2020. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? I don't know. They've done it everywhere else. I don't know. Why were we listening to that? Because you came in singing dun 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 dun. And I was like, are you singing <laughs> the beginning of History of Wrong Guys? And he didn't even know what I was talking about. So... Who's the bigger guy who likes musicals okay, here? Okay, Man. take it easy. I just had something stuck in my head, and I don't know why, but I guess it was History of Wrong Guys. It was History of Wrong Guys. Musical. <laughs> oh, no. This is such a horrible start. Should we start over? Says you. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. We are back. We are back with for a season vengeance. two. With something. With rambling nonsense. Non-sensory. Musical theater. Yes. We're back. It's been a month. Has it been a month? Yeah, it's been over a month because shout out to Russ, the uh, doorman at my show. He was like, hey, Joe, it's been a month and you said that you guys were going to take a month off and it's been almost a month, over a month. So like, if you're going to get the podcast back together, you better get get your, going. Get going because you're work. lying to your audience. Right. And I was like, I guess it's true. So we got to start, we got to start rambling into microphones about musicals again. Right. So here we are. So here we are. What are we doing this week? We're talking to Ann Nathan. Which is going to be great. We did once together. She is about to be in Sing Street at New York Theater Workshop, which is coming to Broadway next season. Fingers crossed. She just did Broadway Bounty Hunter with Joe Iconis. She's been, I want to call this episode, I mean, now we're just working through things on air, I guess. But I, I think I'm going to call this episode, Ann Nathan has been in every musical you've ever seen. <laughs> because basically, she's been in every musical that, that you've ever seen. Most famously, Thoroughly Modern Millie, Ragtime, once, as I mentioned, it should have been you. She was a Mama Morton in Chicago. She's done so much, all sorts of off-Broadway, all sorts of TV, all sorts of things. Uh, Dan, you want to turn your cell phone off? Yeah, whatever, Joe. Okay. And uh, so we're talking to her. We're going to do the news. We're going to do the things we love. We are back. Dan, how excited are you? I'm so excited. <laughs> so an actor... So an actor is saying his lines, and then out of nowhere, he just starts singing... 
Just a few things to look forward to this season that we know that we're, we know are happening. Confirmed. Confirmed. Uh, we're going to interview John Riddle and we're going to do Hans on Hans. Hans on Hans from Dan. Yeah. And, and Don's, Don's, Don's interviews Don's, Hans, Don's, on Hans. <laughs> Hans on Hans. Uh-huh, uh, we're going to pump you up. Pump. If yes, you know that pick reference. things up and put them down. Putting down. Um, so that's going to happen. Uh, we're going to interview. Uh, we got an interview with Paul Nolan from Slave Play. And Paul and I did once together. Uh, he's a great, great dude. And uh, Alex, my wife, saw Slave Play last night and just could not even speak. And we're going to go next week. And we're going next week. So we're talking about that next week. Um, what else do we know that's happening? We know to, um, we have an interview with Ellen Marsh, uh, who is in Rose Tattoo. Rose Tattoo opens next week. So we're going to have that interview out next week. And we got so much stuff happening this season. We swear to God, we're actually we're back. We're back. And we missed it. And we, we hope it. you missed us because we're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere until we run out of interviews and then we'll take another month off. But until then. <laughs> yeah. Or until one of us has mm, yeah, too much going on. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but we're but trying yeah. to figure out how to do the. Yeah. yeah we're figuring it out. So, I'll just whatever. Do, uh, <sighs> what did we miss? I feel like a lot of things happened. I got fired. Month, Joe was. um, (laughs) Joe got fired. Not fired. Don't be dramatic, Joe. (laughs) I'm not. I'm joking. I'm joking. But it's definitely worth talking about Um, because this is something that happens. Yeah, this is a Broadway thing. Um, We talked about a few weeks ago when Waitress got its closing notice. We kind of took you guys through that. What that's like. Um, And I was informed by the nice people at Frozen that uh, that I'm not going to be coming back for another year on my contract as Hans. Which this is the thing. This is the thing. And I just, I want to make this very clear in shows like Chicago and wicked and even like the book of Mormon and stuff that people come and go, they come and go all the time. You come, you drop in waitress is a perfect example. I mean, people come right. in, they do it for a couple of weeks. They do it right. for six months. They do it for a year and then they move on. There is this thing that's interesting about like when people are asked to stay in shows and when people are, not asked to stay in shows from company management or from, from the producers, from management. And I think that there's a bad stigma about it because it's like, you know, you get to this point in the contract and the producers are like, Hey, we love you. You did great. And everybody said that, that they, you know, enjoyed what I was doing in the show, but they were like, we're, we're, we're going to bring in somebody else for now. What is year three? Um, and that, you know, it stings obviously because you want to, you want to like stay in the show, but also, if they would have said, Hey, you know, we'd like you to stay, maybe something else would have happened and I would have said, no, thank you. And I'd like to move on. So that's also part of it. But it was an interesting couple of days because it's obviously emotional. Then like I found out that, that I was not asked to stay and that also that Casey and Patty, um, you know, Casey Levy and Patty Murin, who originated the roles of Elsa and Anna in the show were also, um, you know, thanked for their service and thanked for everything that they did for the show, but they're also not going to be returning for year three. And, it's it's one of these things. It's 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 just kind of like getting killed off of a TV show. You know, it's like this and this is where the show is going. This is where the the project is going. But like, you know, hey, we're gonna. Uh, did you see that Yuri, our friend Yuri, got killed off of Chicago yeah, Fire? Yeah, did. So like, he's been there for seven seasons. He's been there for seven seasons, and just I I still have to watch the episode. But he posted all on our Instagram like I saw him in a neck brace, and then he was like thanking the fans of Chicago Fire for all of his. Uh, hopefully, that's not a spoiler alert. But no, that was a couple of weeks ago, so that's okay. 
Yeah, it might be a spoiler alert if you're planning to binge Chicago Fire, but <laughs> but yeah, but our but like this he stuff was happens. posting about how he was dead exactly. So, so like if he posted about it, it right. is fine. But it is one of these things that like I I was excited to talk about it in this format because it is like it's part of the job. It's part of you know you people get you know it's really the thank you for your service. It's not really like you get fired or let go or whatever, but it's like hey, the, your contract is up. You know, and one of the things that they said, like they do with the Fieros and Wicked, was they want to bring in a new Hans every, you know, uh, every year or so. Um, that they want that to be kind of the track that turns over. And that happens with the Fieros. The Fieros are asked to stay for nine months, and then mm-hmm. it's thank you very much, on to the next Fiero. And they bring mm-hmm. somebody new in to keep the show fresh and, you know, for press releases and to keep people talking about the show. And so it makes a lot of sense. But it was a little bit of a stinger. But I'm also there till February 16th. So right. if you haven't seen it, you can come and you can see it. And you can see me and Casey Levy and Patty Murin. And I'm proud of you. Well, thank you. Um, in my life, I made my Dr. Palmer debut. Yes, you during did. Our, uh, during our uh, hiatus. Yeah, our little hiatus. And just yes, to make, make it about me yeah. for a second, I stopped at your stage door to, to drop you off a bottle of whiskey because uh, this That's was what a big we do. deal. That's what we do. You know, you bring your, bring your buddies a little, a little gift at the stage door, and I brought you a bottle of whiskey. It was dropping off the stage door in the middle of the show as you were singing, You Matter to Me. Those are not the pitches. It sounded so pretty, way prettier than I just did it. And I got to listen to you sing it because I was in my show. I couldn't come actually see you do the thing, but I got to hear you sing a little bit. That was really cool. It was cool. Is that you? Yep. This is illegal. That's all you get. That's pretty good. That's what you missed. Opposite uh, opposite Jordan Sparks, American cool. Idol winner. Pretty cool. And as of this morning, uh, Jordan Sparks is extending through the end of November, and Al Roker is coming back to join us uh, to play old Joe for Whoa. the month of November. So if you're looking to come see Waitress before the show closes, now is a good time. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's a little bit of Frozen and a little bit of... Uh, a little bit, a little of, bit uh, of waitress, a little, little bit of us. Waitress. What's yeah. been going on in the biz? Biz. Um, what has been going on in the biz? What are some uh, things that you... Well, I thought b- b- we're going back to the Emmys now for a second, but Fosse Verdon nominated for 14 Emmys, one f- or nominated for 17 Emmys, won four. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. All the Broadway people involved in that. Um, more casting for this company revival we're obsessed with. There's a bunch of stuff happening, but one thing I'm super excited about is this off-Broadway revival of Assassins yeah, that is going to happen. For also, sure. Assassins, shout out to Ann Nathan, who we're going to talk to in a minute, was in Company of Assassins. Wow. So that's not a big not deal. Not a big deal. Um, but yeah, Steve Pasquale, Will Swenson, Judy Kuhn, Brandon Uranowitz, Wes Taylor. Wes Taylor. There's more people that are going to be announced, but they're, yeah, they're going to bring it a- to Classic Stage in uh, 2020, which is going to be... Stupid. directed by John Doyle. So yep. no doubt that's going to be a legendary production that you should try and get to see. Yeah. Um, what else is happening right now? Uh, we got uh, almost famous, got a rave review out in at the old globe Ooh. and they did a, um, Cameron Crowe did a, an interview. I forget what the publisher was, but he was like, we're on the fast track to Broadway. We're trying to find a theater before the Tonys this spring. Oh. So it's going to be a definitely, uh, <laughs> I don't know if he knows that like people don't usually say stuff like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but also like good for him because everybody wishes they could. Yeah. We're just all like so cautious over here. Basically they're trying to create this like super competitive awards environment, which to me is really exciting. Like a, a few weeks ago on the pod, you know, months ago now, but 
when we last talked about this season, there were no new musicals and now there's just a bunch of stuff happening. Yeah. You know, Lightning yeah. Thief. Yep. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, Sing Street has potential and right. there's Tina just all sorts coming. Right. And, of course. Um, uh, Jagged Little Pill obviously is the big one, but that's been announced for a little while. Right. And I did, I sort of wasn't including the jukeboxes because, you know, it's not technically like, I think what we had said was that it, there were no new oh right 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 original right. we musicals. want new more new original music yeah, musicals, yeah just that that's they're a little harder to come by but now there are a few kind of in the is freestyle love supreme going to be considered a musical um, i think the tony they haven't really they haven't talked that, yeah right? they haven't i mean i haven't read the ruling yet but yeah so freestyle love supreme that also got a really rave review totally as well. if those of you who don't know um i think we did talk about it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago but um it was this uh joe's pub um fr- fully freestyle um musical that was created by lin-manuel miranda and chris jackson and uh a bunch of a bunch of those sort of hamilton guys and it was it was always sold out at joe's pub it was always like one of the hottest tickets and uh, in town when they were doing it down at the public and, and then they moved it to Broadway and it has just been an absolute smash, um, for the last couple of weeks. And I think that that is just, uh, a limited run. I'm not totally sure about that, but it's supposed to be really cool. But, uh, Thief, the Percy Jackson musical, um, was written by Robert Kiki, who, uh, and Nathan and I teach with, uh, one of the questions we're going to talk to her about as she teaches all the time, uh, works with high school students and college students and professionals. Um, you know, and she's just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to, uh, you know, teaching and, and the biz and all these things. But Rob, uh, who wrote the lightning thief works with us. And this is his Broadway debut as a lyricist and composer. And it is amazing. So this show is like, and it's, a, it's totally the little show that could, when it came to Broadway, we were all like, whoa, where did that come from? It was on tour. Right. And, you know, everybody's really excited. Chris McCarroll, the star, is a good friend of my wife Alex's. And mine. So, yeah. Yeah. So we're we're super excited about that one. Um, yeah. Succession right now. Alex and I are watching it. And yeah. uh, we just start, we started from the beginning. Good. And last late, night. Latecomer. Yeah. Latecomer to the party. But one of the things I, I was obsessed with in the pilot, it's just Broadway City. So right. it's Drew literally Gayling. Drew Gayling and Ray Lee is in right. it. And Alex is working with Ray Lee right now mm-hmm. on, a, on a workshop. And so she's like showing up at work and like, you know, she's like, Ray, what do you, you know, Ray is in the this, this show. And Julia Murney plays in the, in the pilot. She's the woman who is like uh, t- uh, giving the welcome speech to all of the people who are working at the theme park. Remember when they're like in oh, the room? Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And I she, didn't recognize yeah, her. It's just like, it's, it's so like, I love that with the New York shows. You just see these Broadway yeah. people all the time. So that was I think it was. Cool. At that season, it was Henry Russell Bergstein mm-hmm. uh, was doing the was casting, casting yeah. with, um, yeah. and now it's A.V. Kaufman, so it yeah. changed. But this season has almost no right. guest stars. There's I, I auditioned for the second season, and um, it's like as far as I can tell, it's like the one role mm. that was castable. Nice, nice. And you didn't get it. Definitely didn't get it. Definitely didn't get Definitely it. Definitely went Dan to a guy were talk- like 15 years older than me. Dan and I were talking uh, just before we started that. Yeah. That just- uh, I also didn't get a lot of jobs in the last month. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Since I was, uh, I did get yeah. one, but yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I got uh, in the last couple of weeks, I got um, too old and too ugly for a bunch of stuff and not famous enough. <laughs> yep. I'm currently like kind of waiting to hear if I'm going to get a job to see like they want someone more famous and yeah. we'll see if yeah. I'm going to get it. Yeah, exactly. So right. this is part of the journey you're going on with us is just like our trials right. and tribulations in the industry. Um, should we do the things we love? We should. So 
I, now that we're back, I, I definitely wanted to get back into a things we love, right? Things we love. We need a. We need a. We need a. Um, things we love. Things we love. I love him. No. <laughs> I'm such a oh, good wait, singer. Oh wait, no, I did make I did make a thing for this. I think you did. I did. I'm going to put it back in there. Okay, great. I love him. Okay. That's what, better. What, okay, better you're, than mine. you're holding a book. Yes. Uh this week you know I love <laughs> I love um being back in acting class since we started uh our hiatus. I started back in class. And it's it's interesting. On the first day, we did like kind of a going around the circle and everyone talking about kind of how they ended up in the class. And most of the people, it's a professional acting class. You have to audition to get in. Most of the people are in various stages of their career. Some of them are right out of school. Some of them are kind of new-ish to acting. Some of them are were acting and now they're trying to get back into acting. And I was kind of the one in the class who was... Um, was currently working and everyone came up to me afterwards and they were like, what, why are you here? What are you doing here? Mm. And, uh, so I wanted to share kind of my idea about acting class for those of you who are, um, actors yourselves. And that is no, (laughs) no gymnast football player, Ballet dancer, doctor, doctor, financial advisor. Pick your freaking profession. I mean, I mean, profession. some of those, some of those more like desky, professionally um, jobs. People aren't necessarily continually training. Definitely a doctor would. Yeah, but it, anything that's physical, anything that's physical and mental, is it's inherent that there's a lot of continual practice and work that goes into that uh, profession and that job. And I think that act as, as actors, we forget that. Mm-hmm. I think it's most often that you go into acting class because you're unhappy with your agent <laughs> or you're not getting enough TV and film auditions. Right, um, right. I'm, ne- I'm neither of those things. I'm not unhappy with my agent or with the auditions that I get. I just feel like there's a muscle yeah. in being an actor. Yeah. And it, that muscle requires you to work or it will... Uh, what's the medical word for it. Um, atrophy. Atrophy. Thank yeah. you. So I've been taking uh, a, a, this in professional... So I've been taking the professional acting scene study class at the Barrel Group. The Barrel Group was started by Seth Barish and some of their famous students are like Anne Hathaway and Mike Birbiglia and Jay Farrow. Not a big deal. And um, I currently have in front of me Seth's book called An Actor's Companion. It's Seth Barish again. Um Really interesting school of thought, really interesting book. I would highly recommend it to anyone who has any trouble kind of being in their own heads while they're performing. He breaks down acting to being exclusively about play. It's Mm. acting isn't about uh, anything emotional or anything kind of intellectual. Acting is about like the act of playing something. So he refers to actors as players, never as actors. He kind of figures everything to be a game to be figured out and it's 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 all about craft right mm-hmm. um some of my I, I wish i could go through kind of some of my favorite sections of this but it's really cool it's it's like the the war of art where everything is only every paragraph is like i mean it's like the war of art where every chapter is like a page mm. And it takes you through this like technique Mm -hmm. and each technique kind of, it gives you a context for when you would use the technique and how it kind of works. Yeah. And it's so helpful. And honestly, 
I finished this book right before I went on for Dr. Pometer and mm. used two techniques from this book to mm. try and finally figure out what they mean when they say, I need you to be more quirky. Uh-huh. And it totally worked. Yeah. And I wasn't in my head. I was totally felt like I was like simultaneously myself and present yeah. and simultaneously fully a character that the audience could kind of like pull on. Yeah. So uh, this Not week I love me. acting class. I love that. And actually I was going to do a different one, but I think based on that, I'm, I'm going to say the thing that I love. I, um, this week I started rereading um, Audition by Michael Shirtliff. Do you remember that book? Yeah, from of course. College? I and think so, I have it on my bookshelf yeah, over there. Uh, and if not, I, I have it at home. So I'm walking around with, with this book. And and so I think what I love this week too is is books on acting, <laughs> I guess is kind yeah. of my short answer because in that book in particular, this was we had to read this freshman year of college. And basically he he breaks down there's like his 12 guideposts to auditioning. And it is about, you know, it's, it's about using everything that you do as an actor, but, but under the, you know, through the lens of getting jobs because we need jobs and, uh, you know, 99.9% of actors have to audition and then, you know, 0.1% of them just get offered things. So you have to, you have to go into the room and just what I loved when he starts in the introduction and talking about how this is a completely absurd profession that we have all gotten into and i just love the acknowledgement of that always like when somebody you know when things are terrible and somebody's like hey things are terrible like i really appreciate that as opposed to just sweeping things under the rug and he Mm -hmm. was like he was like this is an absurd profession you've gotten yourself into and don't try to make it normal like don't try to normalize it it is absurd what you're doing is absurd own it and, you know, and then he gives you a bunch of great things. So, so read that book. If you're auditioning for colleges, if you're a professional, if you just are like interested in the craft a little bit, like that's another great book. To- I think we're going to make a guys who like musical reading list. Ooh. Ooh. Reading I think we're going to make a guys who like musicals uh, reading list. And I think yep. we're going to make like um, curated playlists for Spotify. Ooh, these are fun things. Look at us. Season two. We're growing up. <laughs> Yeah. We know how to read. And don't don't think I forgot about your care packages. <laughs> you did. You no, I didn't. Did. I have those messages saved and the addresses saved. We just haven't filled the care packages yet, but exactly. that's coming in season two also. Here we go. So let us know if you have any questions. Thank you for listening. Um, we are excited to get back to this. So we're going to get into our interview with Ann Nathan. Um, uh, I love this woman. I will never forget um, how crazy it is to when I made my Broadway debut, how insane it was walking into once uh, after they had won the Tony and everybody, there was so much craziness happening that summer. And Ann was like the, the safety blanket, the warm, calming spirit that had been in a hundred Broadway shows who was like, everything's fine. Just go to work. Like she right. was just like the best. And so we're going to talk to her about her career about teaching, about all the things that she has so much coming up, so much that she's just done. And so listen in, young actors, because Aunt Anne is going to have, not Auntie Anne, I don't know. I have an Aunt Anne, <laughs> but, uh, but she's going to have, some, she's gonna have some, some wisdom for you. <laughs> no, I do, and I love this view. It's so nice. Yeah, this is the this is the the selling point is the view, and also it's good because we talk about this view a lot on uh, our interview podcast show, and no one can see what we're talking about. So it's insane. That's also good radio, or what? <laughs> it's radio. Um, yeah. Take it from me; it's really good. Yeah. I just call it home. Yeah, home <laughs> is good. So, and Nathan is here. Um, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of crap. We want to pick your brain about a whole bunch of crap. But but Sing Street, yeah, New York Theater Workshop. Yeah, how is it going? Well, we. 
we start rehearsal in a week and a half. Okay. But we did a one month workshop about two months ago. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. And it's weird because I'm working with many of the same people that it's, it's I the did once crew. with. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. lot of the, the once crew. Now, did yeah. they call you or did you go through an audition? No. Thing? Oh, no. Well, I don't know. I auditioned <laughs> a lot, many times. Um, three times. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I went in and played piano and did a scene and then went back in again and then went back in for a callback and... It's Rebecca Teichman, and right. she does. I mean, I know her socially a little bit, but she doesn't know me, so yeah. Yeah, and it is like it's a lot of the once once crew who's working. Yeah, on, but, it's, but uh, Rebecca. Let me see if I can get it right. Yeah, okay. Ender Walsh. Yep. Who wrote it? Uh, Bob Crowley. Yep. Did I say that right. Did the costumes. Crowley, Crowley, Crowley. Crowley. Both set in costumes. Yeah. And Martin Lowe, who we love, who's yeah, doing the, the music. Best. Yeah, the music super. Is he like the music director, music supervisor? Yeah, that sort and of. And then role? Fred yeah. Layson, were you around when Fred was there? Yeah, yeah. Well, Fred, Fred and I did. Um, uh, we did bandstand together. Yeah, we worked on bandstand, and he had kind of t- started in on once as I was leaving. Right. Um, Let yeah. me see. Like, I'm, you know, I have. I'm not going to lie to, the, to your audience. No, right. Yeah. To your studio audience. <laughs> I have here on my phone because I want to know what people's. You know, in case there's like, what is Fred's title? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that that's very important, but we love Fred and he's amazing and yeah. both of them are doing it. So there yeah. you have it. Fred, actually, while you're looking that up, I'll yeah. tell you a very cool story about Fred Lassen. He it was an organ major in what? college. Really? He majored in the organ. And when I married Alex Fink, yes. I wanted to arrange a piece of music for her to walk down the aisle to. And there was this big, glorious organ at this church in Dayton that we got married. And so I put together some stuff and I wrote a little piece and I gave it to Fred and Fred orchestrated it on the organ in about 12 hours for free and sent, sent, sent me the music and an MP3 of the piece. And it is one of my most treasured possessions. And he did it. He totally did it for free. How special. Yeah. It was pretty cool. He's the best. Yeah. That guy. guy. He's so great. And he is actually the music director. Got it. Got it. I guess Martin is the orchestrator and the, Supervisor, I'm going to call him. So someone <laughs> says that that's not true. Yep. We're going to go with that. Awesome. Great. Yeah. And Martin did did once. We did once with yes. him. And he also did Harry Potter. And he's done. And a, he's, he's amazing. He's and his oh, arrangements cool. are gorgeous. And, and so is he yeah. focusing on like the, the you guys playing and like the music? Like because it is it, I, those of you who don't know about Sing Street, it was a movie uh, and amazing uh, movie. Everyone. Should I see. love that movie. It's Lucy so Boyden. good. And mm-hmm. uh, but it's about a band. It's about a, a band. It's of about high a guy who falls for a girl. And he, I mean, yeah. uh, just to simplify it, a guy falls for a girl. Wants to impress her, wants to win her, gets a band together. There are all these other things happening, but that's really the yeah. right, yeah, the plot point. That's the yeah. Um, yeah uh, it's very similar to Once in terms of actor musicians, except that not everyone plays an instrument. Cool. So all the young people, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're very young. They're like truly sixteen to twenty year old twenty year olds, and myself play instruments. Nice. And then uh, there are three adults, and so far no one is playing an instrument. Got it. Got it. So it's Very not cool. exactly, but we do the same kind of things. We get up, we get there, we rehearse the band for a couple of hours. Yeah. And then we work on this show in the afternoon. And John Carney, who wrote Once, who wrote the the movie of Once and wrote the movie of Sing Street, yes. who he didn't write the music for Once. He did write the music yes, for some of Sing it. Street. Some of it. And, and with... Which I have Oh, some. Gary Clark. Yeah. Okay. So the lyric, music and lyrics are by Carney and Gary Clark. Got it. Got it. Okay. Got it. Frontman of Danny Wilson, which was a, a big popular band in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So uh, the music's really good. Yeah. It is really good. Uh, I love that movie. The, the 
album on Spotify is great from the movie. Hopefully you guys make an album. Oh yeah, yeah. that'd be good. And there's actually cool. one song that Glenn wrote. Oh, cool. It's really yeah, good. That's very cool. And I guess, I don't know if you guys have gotten into Added, this a little bit, yeah. but I was I was talking with with uh, David Abelis, our, yes. our good friend, yes. um, and he had like lunch or something with Enda and it was like, they're trying to not make it once 2.0. And they're like very like, they, they love that world, but it's like, do you know now sort of how they're going to differentiate, you know, that world? Like, yeah, it's hard. It's yeah. a hard thing. It's something that I've actually talked to Martin about a couple of times. Well, the first thing is that Rebecca Teichman wasn't involved. Totally. In and yep. she's a wonderful director and a brilliant person. Yeah. So I think that she and Sonia Tayek yeah. uh, are so different yeah. that I think they're, they're not coming from the place of we did this already. So right. that is what's really helpful. It's totally. also helpful mm-hmm. that not everybody plays an instrument. Totally. Right. Um, so I think it's just a different, I think that there are always going to be comparisons because it's still that actor musician vibe. Yeah. But what can you do about that? Well, and everything is like right? that. anything that is an yeah. actor musician show now is compared to like the great actor musician shows like Once or Million That's Dollar right. Quartet or or that revi- you know the revival right. of Sweeney Todd. Like anytime that they add instruments, it's going to be compared to like the ghosts of. That's right. And know. and because the person at the helm wasn't involved with Once, right. that is what really helps because she she's not coming at from it from any point of view of but it being new. That's awesome. But yeah, I'm sure that, I mean, I, I'm still hoping and praying that I'm not sitting on stage the whole time. That would be a start. <laughs> I would say that that would be the best way to make once not like Sing Street is not have the actor sit on stage. Yeah. Um, I do yeah. play a lot of piano, so yeah. I, regardless, will probably be there. A lot, yeah. Uh, and also musically, it's so different. There are four keyboards. Nice. Mm. Um, there are a lot of guitars, but there's a lot, it's piano heavy because of the kind of music it is. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The 80s yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's very 80s. Awesome. Lots I can't of. wait to see it. I'm super excited. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. It's one of those New York Theater Workshop shows that like you have to get your tickets now. Right. Because it's basically, so the run is basically sold well, they, out. Well, they, half the run they sells ex- out quickly because it's the, the subscribers. Right. Subscription right. But it's November 25th to January 19th. Yeah. Is there an extension thing there possibly? There is a possible, possible okay. extension, I think, through awesome. the 29th. Nice. Okay. Great. Well, get yeah, your tickets before be they're gone. Thanks for plugging it, guys. Yeah, yes, of course. Well, we're excited we're about excited. it. We're we'll, excited. We'll be there on opening night, hopefully. Yeah. We'll, just to see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, putting it out in the world. Yeah. Well, and, and we did we did once together, obviously. And I've mentioned that probably how many times have I mentioned that yet? Like a dozen 17 times. And okay. a half. Um but I I just remember when I went into that show that and just like a little shout out to you, I guess, because I remember it was chaos. I remember like you guys had won the Tony. It had been it was this big hit, and I came in to make my Broadway debut, and I've never been more excited about anything in my entire life. It was like life. September, right? Yeah, it was like August. Like, uh, August? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was in August. And I Three like months. walked through the door and people were like, as they do, like people were kind of like bickering and there was drama and there was this and that. And you <laughs> kind of like put your hand on my shoulder and you were like, just do your job everything's great. Everything's going to be fine. Like don't get swept up in, in the, the mania. And I was like, I just remember. And, th- and then you, you have, you helped me with this, this company that we teach with. And so we're going to talk about that. Yeah. But, but I remember you being just like this calming presence that was like, everything's fine. These people are lunatics. We all, <laughs> we, are, we were all lunatics. <laughs> lunatics. I mean, I included myself in that. That was like the mat part of the magic of what that show was. Right. I think was yeah. everybody was crazy. Everybody was fully <laughs> insane. Yeah. But a lot of love. A, lot of, a love. lot of love and a lot of crazy. When you look back on it, what do you remember? I like, loved that show. Yeah. I loved being in that show. I loved that cast. Yeah. Um, I have so many memories. I mean, I get choked up all the time. Yeah. when I, If I hear a song from it or hear a song that reminds me of it, um, it meant so much to me. And I think there's something about the actor-musician thing. Right. It's just very special. There's a connection that I 
I've got I've had a other experience obviously where I had a deep connection, but there's something about having to play together mm-hmm. that makes it something that you can't you just can't put into words. Yeah. Um so as as hard as that job sometimes could be, like any job. Right, any job. Um I loved it. I loved that pre-show. I loved mm-hmm. making myself a better musician. Totally. Um and I loved working with a cast of people that I didn't work with before, this this kind of group. Right. I'd never worked with people who were, I would say most of them were musician, were actor musicians, but not, not necessarily musical theater people. Yeah. And I mostly work with on musicals. So it yeah. was mm-hmm. refreshing. Totally. And I miss everybody all the time. Yeah. I talk to Elizabeth a lot. Yeah? Yeah. We're quite close. Yeah. We live in the same neighborhood and I can't, I don't, I don't see Elizabeth A. Davis. I don't, I haven't seen her in, yeah. in years, but she's just she's running great. around. Yeah. She's doing great. She's got a little kid, yep. cutest kid. And yeah, great. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I wanted to go back to like kind of we like to start or at least we like to cover at some point kind of the beginnings of people's careers. Mm-hmm. Um, so like how did you get involved in the business? Sort of where are you from? How did you get your start? Yeah. I grew up in Rockland County. Do you know where that is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to in... play a couple hockey tournaments up there. Seriously? Where'd yeah. you grow up? I grew up in Providence, Rhode Island. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, I grew up in Muncie. Okay. And uh, I always wanted to do it. I was that annoying kid who mm-hmm. always was like, I remember seeing Annie on Broadway and being like, I need to be Annie. Like I was that kid. Yeah. I went to the neighborhood playhouse when I was little, my poor dad driving me to and from the city to take classes. I did all that stuff, mm-hmm. but I never did anything professional until uh, after college. Mm-hmm. That was sort of a, a, a an agreement I had with my parents, yeah. mm-hmm. which was you can do it and we'll support it, but you gotta go to school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I went to, um, so I did a lot of stuff growing up, just learning. And then I went to the Boston Conservatory of Music and I studied musical theater and uh, got out and was, was really hard. Like mm. I was not that person who got out and got a big job. Right. I went to all the open calls. I went to all the non-equity calls. I waited around for the equity calls till sick, you know, waited for eight hours. I did all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, my first big, big job, I guess, was Les Mis. Yeah, Which, the tour, right? Yeah, I did the tour. I did uh, the the first bus and truck. Oh, wow. The wow. Marius Company. And I was so green mm-hmm. that when they called and told, first of all, there were no cell phones yet. Right. Yeah. So they left me a message on a Friday, uh, Vinny Liff, and he said, I want to talk to you. He didn't even say I got it. He said, I have some news. So I had to wait the whole weekend because <laughs> you had to actually get them on the phone. <laughs> right. Right, right. He left it on my answer machine. Right. And I remember that. The, the Monday, I remember smoking. I smoked at the time. That yeah. was my cool thing. I was yeah. smoking mm-hmm. cigarettes yeah. and just chain smoking and drinking <laughs> coffee. And he finally, I finally got him on the phone. And he told me that I got it. And I was like, for how long? Yeah. Like, I, I really didn't know. Like, I thought six weeks. Uh, and it okay. ran like 20 years or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I just didn't know. I didn't know I could make that much money. That was so right. much money. Right. I was waitressing at the time totally. in an Irish pub. I just had no idea that yep. it was going to be as great as it was. Yep. And I met some of my best. I did. did Mary Sugarman was in uh, that no production kidding. of Les Mis with me. Mary Sugarman is a casting director yeah. uh, Tara at Rubin. Tara Rubin's office. And just the actually, best. I think she cast the revival of Les Mis, didn't she? She, she, did. Did. she did. She did. I didn't realize is, that's how you guys became yeah, friends. Yeah, we, we, we did friends. Les Mis together. And uh, a lot of Adam Heller, do you know Adam Heller? He mm. was, he's, some of my best friends are still from that show. Yeah, I think wow, that first wow. big show is important to people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely. Especially like uh, if you're like at similar levels. My first job out of school was like everybody's first job. 
So we were all kind of in that's that right. same That's right. That's how we were. We were everybody's first big job. So absolutely, there's definitely like a because you're like, wait, what am I doing? Yeah. Are we actually do, getting paid to do this together? This is crazy. I still remember flying to Florida for our first for our tech, and I still remember us singing. Do you hear the people sing on the plane? Oh my god! I can, oh my and god. now I look at that and I go, if I were on oh that plane, god. I would be like, shut the hell up! I would find that so not charming. But right, if we were right. like singing all the group songs, we were we were so excited. You, oh my god! So whenever oh, I get a little funny. snarky yep. when I see things like that, I have to remember that yep. that was absolutely me. Absolutely, yeah, right? Totally, totally, totally. It's good to look back and and think of that stuff. You know. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, like you see the video, like the the Lion King cast did that. Uh, on they were on an airplane and they like sang the Circle of Life or something <laughs> right. on a delayed plane. And now I did the same. I w- we did a press event for Frozen a couple of months ago, and the associate director was like, you know, what if you guys got you know did like a acapella version of, nope. of Let It Go or something that like nope. got and I, and we were all like, there's no way no in hell <laughs> that we're do- this is a horrible idea. You know, we're all jaded and and you know over it now, but. Right. That's, that is, I love that story. Now to jump like, yeah. so now you, so then you, when you got off the tour, what was next? Do you remember? All of a sudden, no work again. Right. Like it exactly. was, sure. I mean, I left the tour because I, even at my very young age, I knew that I couldn't do it for too long. Right. So I, yeah. I left sure. about a year and a half later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I just pounded the pavement like yeah. you do, you know, yeah. went to a million auditions, didn't have an agent, mm-hmm. just open calls. The next big thing I did is I did Aspects of Love with this wonderful director, Robin Phillips, mm-hmm. uh, which was in Canada, in Toronto mm-hmm. and Edmonton, Alberta, and then Chicago. Edmonton. And I, I loved it. I loved yeah. it. It's the first time I ever worked in uh, Canada and I have worked there several times since and mm-hmm. I love it there. So mm-hmm. I did that and it was a lot of fun. And actually, guess who replaced me? Hmm. Mary Shekhart. No. I feel like this whole <laughs> wow. podcast would be about Mary Shekhart. But honestly, I think what happened was I was leaving and the associate director, we were talking and I said, you know what would be really good at this part? Yeah. Was Mary Shekhart. Oh my God. So yeah. So, so I did Aspects of Love. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, she did one of my first auditions in the city was for um, uh, the Joe Iconis um that uh, black suits, uh, black, black suits, suits. Black yeah. suits. I love that, black that, suits. That, that, yeah, it was awesome. And she, um, she, she sent me an email. I think I was a senior in college, and that was one of my first audits. So she's she's the best, and yeah, she's still great. around, and you know, like just desperately trying to get in her shows always. Yeah, she cares. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. does. Yeah, she, she does. really cares for sure. Yeah. So where did you make yes. your Broadway debut? Uh, ragtime. Wow. Mm-hmm. Did ragtime the first ragtime? Sure, of course. Yeah. One of the OG years greatest, ago. the greatest ragtime. Yeah. Well, I won't say. I mean, the revival was great. Yes. Yeah. But yes, that was. Uh, it was crazy because we yeah. did it first out of town in Toronto for a full year. Oh wow! wow. It was it was crazy. And did That's you workshop the show the whole time you were there? Did you like kind of get it up um, and then set it? We and got then... it up, did it, and then weirdly they opened a company in L.A. before we came to Broadway. So then once they did that, there was some tweaking going on. But basically, it was what it was, and then. We re-rehearsed it when we came to New York, but the cast stayed intact. Yeah. So we all just moved to Toronto. I love that show so much. Yeah. It's pretty great. 
I watched Joe play younger brother when he was 19 Sophomore at the University college. of Michigan. Was he great? He was great. I bet you killed it. <laughs> he did. That's pretty good. That was. I think it's been all downhill from there. Yeah, that was his peak for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I actually, um, I was in the ensemble and understudied Emma Goldman, and oh. I just recently did it at Barrington Stage, and I played the role, and it was so crazy to, to revisit it. To revisit it, and that would like. So, did you play? So, you understudied Emma Goldman. Yeah, went on as Emma Goldman a lot. Yeah, uh, and then so that and that was the first Emma Goldman. I, the, that was the oh yeah, I know. I have yeah. to. I put a moratorium on it now. No yeah. more Emma. No more Emma Goldman because that would, that would be a really good segue to the fact that you played it in the Assassins revival. Yes. But mm. I, that's not. We're not going to jump to that just yet. But okay. I do want to uh, props for making that segue. Yeah, good <laughs> then job. we can go on to some. Good we job, can, <laughs> theater nerd. Good. What, what, wait, what's it called? Guys who like musicals. Guys good job, like, guys, guys who like musicals. <laughs> it's so bad. That's so Thanks, bad. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I know. <laughs> but one, okay, so one thing that I, that I would love to. There's a million. You've done a million things. That we could we could literally ask you a million questions. But yes. one of the things that I want to talk about the Millie years. Yes, please. Okay, the Millie, not the you know the, the, the Millie years. The Millie years. If that's like a that would probably sure. be a chapter of your your biography, yeah. right? Um, because last year you got to do this concert where everybody got back together. Mm -hmm. And so I, I imagine it was a great time to kind of revisit like what everybody was like, you know, what's a 23 year old Gavin Creel like, or a 24 year old Sutton Foster, like what, like what were they like during that time? And also what were you like? Like, well, how do you look back at that time? Well, that was a very happy show. Yeah. Um, we loved doing that show. And I think that there's something about that theater somehow that, I think that people are happy in that theater because there's so much space. Mm. I think that seems weird, but there's just so many dressing rooms and yeah. people seem to be kind of happy at the, the Marriott Marquee. Marquee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they were young, but wise. Mm. Like I was older than, obviously older than them, but you know, I couldn't believe watching Sutton, what she did, because to be honest, I could never have handled that at her age. Mm -hmm. And she handled it with such grace. And when I say handled, I just mean it's such an enormous role. Yeah. I mean, she sings so many songs. It's enormous. It was so much weight on her shoulders. And she just, I know that it was hard. Yeah. I know that it wasn't, if you asked her, she'd say it was not just all a walk in the park because mm -hmm. there was a lot of pressure. Totally. But she handled it so well and was consistently great. Yeah. Honestly. And I was there when she did it out of town. Right. I was there in La Jolla when she was in the course. Right. And we would get together. <laughs> I, this is a good story for real. We would get together at Sutton's apartment, myself, Katie Baldwin, mm -hmm. who understudied Miss <laughs> who, Crazy. Who, who understudied looking at myself, that cast now, who understudied I had understudied Muzzy and Mil Millie, which was I mean Muzzy and um uh Mrs. Mears yeah. mm -hmm. weirdly had to do both those roles. And uh bunch of us would go over and we'd get some wine and we'd go over our understudy parts. Oh, I love that. Okay. And we're still really close. I um, love that. But Sutton, even when that, when she took that over, just handled it with tremendous grace and yeah. something that could have been an ugly thing wasn't. And then mm -hmm. they, once she took over, they were very smart in terms of creating the role so that it suited her, her assets best. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. So yeah, they were young, but they were wonderful. I mean, I, I loved working with both of them and, and, Gavin's the same. <laughs> I mean, he's just Gavin. Yeah, like, right, but right. they are <laughs> He's an enigma. Yeah, yeah. I think that they handled the pressure really well and they were wonderful and they were even better at this reunion concert because, you know, you just get easier as you get older, hopefully. Totally. You right. have ease about what you did, so. Totally. Yeah. It was really fun. Right. We had the best time. Yeah. And I mean, did you think this is such a stupid question, but uh, it, do, did you feel like it was going to be kind of the musical theater 
bombshell that it I was, became. You know what I mean? Like I was just going to ask the same question. Because for us, like coming up when we did, I feel like Gavin changed the way that men sing in musical theater. And Sutton did the same thing for mm-hmm. women. Like really changed, the precedent changed when that cast album came out, when that show came out. Every girl wanted to play that part. Every guy wanted to play Jimmy. It was like, so did you know what you guys were doing at that time? Does that make sense? I think that I still remember doing a reading of it mm-hmm. and just thinking it was so funny. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing the subtitles and just thinking, that's so funny. <laughs> and I don't think that we, I knew it was fun yeah. and I knew it was good. And it was very interesting in La Jolla because you'd watch in real time, we'd, we'd, we'd be on stage and they'd write, you know, a, a late day later, Sutton was singing Gimme Gimme, yeah. like crazy, like one of the greatest songs ever written. Happened in a day? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm sure it didn't happen in a oh, day sure. for them writing it, oh, but right we heard right. it. Like I still remember being there and all of a sudden she sang this song and going, that's a great song. Yeah, yeah That right. kind of stuff. Um, I think that we knew it was fun and we knew it was good, but I am always someone that sees things, the glass half empty yeah. because I'm <laughs> yeah. scared of disappointment. It's <laughs> yeah, not because right. I am not positive. I totally. just am so scared that I will be disappointed. I remember being a very, very excited that Variety gave it a rave. I remember mm-hmm. that being a thing yeah. and that we had these incredible producers who ran with it and all of a sudden we were going to Broadway, but you know, we didn't sign contracts for Broadway, so right. we didn't know right. what was happening. Oh, totally. The um, whole, are we going or are we And we, we also not? made a ton of changes. It, up to up to the a week before we opened, we were making so many changes, so we just didn't know. Also, Gavin hurt his knee. He got injured. Like oh, wow. a second preview or something crazy, and he had in to have surgery. In La Jolla surgery. or in New York? In New York. He oh, had to have surgery. So he had, oh, he had meniscus surgery the, yeah. and was back in three weeks. Yeah. He like came back. For press night. Yeah, like right before crazy. they opened. I mean, can you yeah. imagine having knee surgery and three weeks later being ready to go? And yeah. it's, uh, he danced in the yeah. show. It Big was, time. so, so many things could have gone wrong that went right. Wow. Mm. So yeah, we, we loved it. And we didn't, I mean, who, you never know what helped, but that is the show that people get most excited about my, my students and yeah. young people, especially. And a lot of people your age say, oh my gosh, that show. Yeah. Right. Well, I just think it's interesting because I think I was thinking about that when we were going to talk to you, just like. Like remember listening to that cast album and being like, "Oh, this is this is new. This is a, this is a sound that is new. This is a this is a style that brings the best of musical comedy when it was musical comedy to musical theater, you know." And so. it's also that it happened right after nine eleven. Yeah. So there yeah. was also something very special about doing a show that was so joyful and happy in yeah. a time that people were still scared and needed an escape. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So yeah, we. Uh, I mean, Janine, that score, and Dick, and yeah, right. well, it was great. Yeah. I, I have such amazing memories about it, and totally. getting to revisit it could have been like that disappointment, but instead, it was we had the best time. We yeah. still have a, a an email chain and a text chain that yeah. we the girls the forget about the boy girls were very, <laughs> we're very close. The forget about the boy girls, um, and we did that. I remember doing that last year where we did the number and then Rob came in because Joanne Hunter said it. Then Rob came in to see it and he just started crying because oh. we were, we all could do it. So. And that was, that, was that his first show that he choreographed by himself? I want to say yes. Yeah. Cause that was a little music. But I could be wrong. So don't shoot me. I'm but pretty I think sure so. that it was because I mean, I'd also just like, you look at that cast between Kate Baldwin and you and Casey Nichols Casey, is in, Casey. in the ensemble, <laughs> yeah. which is just completely insane. Uh-huh. You know, like, so I, I'm sure it was very cool too. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, in, in sort of a now jumping just because it's, it's the once stuff again, same question with once. Did you guys know you're, yes. you're in Cambridge? Yeah. You're like, this is something special. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's funny, like you don't, I think that because Millie was such a humongous product, yeah. it's one of those that you're like, I think this is great, but <laughs> so many crazy things were happening with, yeah. with Sutton coming in and then some replacements and things changing so much that you just didn't know. Right. Um, and even with, with Millie, the New York Times review was a bad review. Mm. Uh, no one knows that or remembers it, yeah. but it wasn't good. It's just that... There were so many good reviews and word of mouth was good. And, and then you won the Tony. Then we won the Tony and we had truly like the best producers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So well, I love that about too. like, like Wicked too. Like Wicked had a terrible mm -hmm. review. It's like, yeah. well, right. who's, who's laughing now? You right. Know? Right. <laughs> so. right. But with once we were at, at, when we were at ART and it ended, I think we all were kind of like, <sighs> wow. Wow. And also like heartbroken that we were, it was done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I knew when I read the script for once. I mean, I kind of felt like I really wanted that part. It was mm -hmm. one of those things where you, more than the part, I wanted to be a part of that show part, because I love the film, but also I read the script and just, it knocked me out. Yeah. Mm. It's just a perfect it's script. A, I saw it four times. It's you so did? Good. Yeah. yeah, I did. But I, I think no matter how much you love a show, you just don't know. Yeah. I still remember right. sitting in uh, tech in New York and at, when we we're uptown and some people would say, and what do you think? What, what's going to be our run? And I'd say, I, th I look, at, look at it. The most positive thing you can do is think, well, we'll definitely run through opening night. Mm, so that's yeah. four weeks of work yeah, or yeah, you know, yeah, six yeah. weeks of work. And maybe then we'll run through the Tonys, just like baby steps. So you just right. don't, I just don't like being disappointed. Totally, totally. And Which actually a, in, in this business, like we're, we're constantly, I mean, you go on a dozen auditions a week and you don't get all of them. So, I mean, we're conditioned for that. I yeah. think I, 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 I'm with you 100% that like you protect yourself. You know, yeah, this is just a really interesting thing to give some context for people who don't know to try and make sure that everyone's all on the same page. When you're in a show that you take to Broadway, you don't necessarily know whether that show is going to make it even past opening night. There yeah. have been shows that have closed in a night. Yeah. So the kind of like anxiety and nerves that go along with bringing a show in, you kind of just hope that a show is going to run for four years like once did or three years in the case of Waitress and Frozen will probably run 20, but yeah. you know, nobody ever really knows. And even if you get a knockout review, yeah. you still have to sell tickets. It's, it's, you yeah. never really know what is going to appeal to the public. Right, right, right. And then something else that doesn't get a good review, for some reason, it just catches fire. It's, it's, you just don't know. You don't have any control over it. Yeah, right. Yeah. I just, I, I remember seeing it. I, I saw it on Broadway my senior year of college. So once, back to once, because I just love to to relive those times that I saw it. I, I got a really good ticket and just laughed and heave sobbed through the thing in a way that I've, I have not since and had never before in the theater. And so I, I love to reminisce about it because it was just such a, joyful show it was such and yes there was weirdness because we were a band and you yeah. guys were ba I entered yeah. the band I came into the band like but you, you also know. have the hardest job I did have there's a hard not job. there's not a job I can think of that's in terms of the theater having to understudy roles that play multiple instruments just sounds yeah. terrible to me but also like I think that that people I, I was thinking about this this week that people want jobs where they have to problem solve that's like a human thing where you want to solve problems and for us a lot of times it's frankly just like learning lines and be, being creative and coming up with things mm -hmm. but that was the the greatest problem solving job because i was having to learn new instruments and learn new things all the time but anyway 
Yeah. It was a wonderful yeah. time. The closing night of that too, I'll remember everybody like like people had come back, like people who had been in the show had come back and were all on stage for the pre-show and it was very cool. It was very cool. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I stayed a long time because it was just such a good yeah. job. You remember the audition process at all? When you when yeah. you read that scene, when you read that speech? Because yeah, Rushka had that it. scene. It's this big scene. If you had, didn't see the show, Anne had this big speech about <laughs> kind of love and loss. And and it was always just dynamite funny. Do you remember like the choice, kind of the way that you went about that audition process? Yeah, I I, I actually had like two weeks, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and Deb Abramson, do you know it? Deb Abramson? Yeah, uh, no. Great pianist and composer. And, uh, I said, I have to kill this audition. So I, I thought I had this arrangement of this Tom Waits song called, um, old boyfriends, mm -hmm. which weirdly Larry Yerman did this arrangement years ago that I had. And it's this, she sing, you sing it. And then in the middle, there's this like Bach concerto piano situation. So I had the perfect song Yeah. and I went in and I did that. And then I, Martin asked me to play a bunch of other things in my book. And then I, I mean, I really, I worked incredibly hard on that audition. I, my super Ivan is from the Czech Republic. So he, awesome. I sat down there with my microphone and said, speak these lines for me. Wow. So oh he gosh. helped me with the dialect and I just worked it really yeah. hard so I could just be in it and off book. And they were really nice. I will say it's the only time I did something as embarrassing as what I'm about to tell you. I've never done anything like this. As I was leaving, it was final callback. I went, you should hire me because I really want this job and nobody's going to work harder. And I have never, it, <gasps> like when I hear it in my head, I think that was the stupidest thing. How could you ever say that? But I had such passion about it that somehow yeah. Martin assures me it was not weird, but I just, there was something about me needing to button it that way. It was very weird. I, I just had such a need for it yeah. because of the musician aspect of it. Right. Yeah. That's unbelievable. That's that's it's like, so crazy. That's like lore. Like that could live in like. Also, that's know, like kids yeah. don't ever do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't do that's that because I don't know no how yeah. that happened. But I yeah. like looking back on it, I would say don't ever do that. But they f did forget to tell me to learn the accordion. Yes. So when I got to rehearsal, uh, John Tiffany said, "How's it coming, darling?" Oh no. And I said, well, "I'm sorry, what?" I had no idea, so I oh, had no. to learn it. It was very stressful. Oh my God. And you played the accordion the whole show. I, it was very stressful, but they were so lovely to me. Martin would just say, hit a droney E chord uh -huh. and we'll figure it out. And then I just, I had a couple lessons yeah. at ART and then I just got up really early and practiced every day. That's unreal. Backtracking a little bit. Yeah. You played piano forever? Yeah. Piano is easy, is not hard for me. Piano does You've not stress me out. You've been playing since you were a kid. Yeah. So that part of it, the only thing I find stressful about piano is memorizing all the piano because yeah, right. coming up with sing street i play a lot of notes not so much chords but notes mm -hmm. so that takes yeah. a little more brain power than i'm used to because i'm just not used to having to memorize uh yeah piano. right and yeah. normally musicians on broadway don't have to memorize right. the entire right. Right. show yeah they look at the show on sheet music and that was something about once that was you had to learn what was how many songs is it in the pre-show guys uh well at the end how many like were 50 at the end? pre show songs? A lot. Or something? I want to yeah. say like 30. Yeah. Probably I 30. think by the time that they were doing it on tour, they had like just kept adding. Yeah. They yes. had so many pre show yeah. songs. They had all those memorized and then also the show but we got, memorized. We got so good at that because, yeah. you know, you learn, they, they would, uh, Martin would give us new songs all the time. And then yeah. you'd have a week to kind of look at it. 
And then you just sort of go out there and kind of like look at it before you went on stage and say, okay, there's the chords. And and sometimes I would have a cheat sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it was one of those things that terrified me at the beginning. And then a year into it, it was piece of cake. So that's mm-hmm. why I, the learning, I learned so much on that job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah. yeah. I still remember like a lot of those like stuck, you know, weird Irish folk songs and Czech folk songs that are just like stuck in my head. But that's okay for another time. There was going to be an album. Wasn't there going to be an album of once pre-show songs? Just went away. Ugh, that was a thing. We need to revive that. Anyway. But there were times we walked into the building. We didn't know what, what, what the song was going to be. And we'd right. go, oh, gosh, <laughs> who put this list? Like there were the days that were like the ballads. Right. <laughs> On a Tuesday. And you're just going, oh, that's going <laughs> to. That's going to suck. That's going to be rough. I right. know it. Um, so I, a couple, cause we, yeah. we want to, we don't want to keep you here all day, but we could keep you here all day. Um, the couple, I want to talk about, this is another lame question, but I re, we really wanted to know, like, how has the business changed from your perspective, both, you know, whether it's social media or whatever the hell's going on, like, how has it changed for you, you know, in recent times in 2019? Do you mean the business in general or the business, how it affects me or just yeah, the both. business? Just okay. kind of like, yeah, like whatever what, you, what are you seeing and what's good, what's bad. I think that, um, I think that because of social media and because of Glee and American Idol, I think that there's a lot of people wanting results instantaneously. And I don't mean directors Mm. and producers. I mean, people who want to do this. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes people get into this for different reasons than maybe I did and Mm. my friends to be famous. Right. And I think because you can go online and you can see that someone out of the blue, just like got some great thing. And right. you think, oh, I don't have to really work hard for it. So I find that not everyone, because I do have a lot of students and a lot of awesome students who work really, really hard. But th- that is, I think the social media makes it look more glamorous than it is. Totally. And they think, oh, that will, that looks really fun. I want to do this, right. even if you're not equipped to do it. And maybe you don't have the passion or the talent to do it. Mm-hmm. So I do think that that's, that's a thing. Yeah. I think that having to keep up on Twitter and Instagram and all those things is challenging sometimes because I don't always want to. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go, oh, I haven't in a week. I better mm-hmm. because people get more and more jobs because of that. Right. Your presence on social media. So I think that what's interesting is it's become easier in certain ways. Like you can get any piece of music, right? right? Instantaneously. Right. But because everything's so easy, I, I cannot tell you how many students are like, I can't find the music. And I go, really? Because I just found it. Yeah. Right. How, all you have to do is type a word. I had to go to, I had to go when I was your age, but I did. I had to go to Colony Records and it wasn't, I had to, I loved it. My dad would drive me in and I go to Colony Records and I'd buy the score to a chorus line Yes, because you couldn't get it online. There was no online. Right. And I'd take my babysitting money and buy like a brand new score for $25, $50. So I think sometimes that is the challenge of it, mm-hmm. but yet it also makes it easier for me. I love it. I can get everything quickly. Right. Um, right. But there's no romance to like going on Dropbox and just being like, oh, that's here's right. the score that's to right. blah, blah, blah. But like, right. I remember waiting for something to come out, which was so exciting. Yeah. And I remember Colony Records. I mean, that was, that was the yeah. place. Like, you'd, you'd go and you'd, you'd buy scores and CDs and like of all of this stuff that just didn't exist. I also find, and I don't know, I cannot explain this, but the number of times I teach a class and people, don't know shows. Right. I, I'm shocked. Like yeah. you can't say, well, it's because you're older than me. I'm like, yeah, but I knew shows that were written in the forties mm-hmm. 
And I'm not, I wasn't born then, so that's ridiculous. It's just, I think it's being taught at places like Michigan, obviously. Sure. Yeah, it was a huge part of our yeah. curriculum. But, but sometimes it's not being taught and or people just aren't interested in it. That's what's yeah. amazing is I get students who say, well, I'm not really interested in the old musicals. I'm like, okay, wow, that's like limiting yourself like 50%, but okay. <laughs> okay, right. Or I get a lot of, I can't relate to something. I'm like, well, just act, pretend. Yeah, it's yeah. just acting. Just put, put, but, pretend, but also yeah. like, I'd love to challenge that. Yeah. What? That you can't relate. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't yeah. agree more. You know, totally, yeah. totally. You can challenge that. Some of those things are like, yeah, absolutely. You're just still not resonant. Really, you're not thinking about it, right? And yeah. you can see that in like the Oklahoma revival, where it's like just take it and make it your own. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think though the social media, the social media thing is really hard because if I were 22, I would be so distracted. I'm distracted, but I know how to turn off my phone, but it's, I, right. it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Right. There are just so many things that pull you away from what you really want to do. I mean, you go to, go to rehearsal now and people are on their phone. Yeah. I was going to ask you, I was thinking about that this morning and this is uh, also like, what did people do in rehearsal for the original company of Thoroughly Modern Millie on breaks? You know what I mean? Right. It's 2000. They talked, they yeah. laughed right. they, with each other. Yes. There was a lot of pranks right. yeah. and laughter and sometimes reading a book, but like, just laughing and also things like making calendars. Let's make a calendar and sell pictures of ourselves half nude for Broadway kids. I just found a calendar that we did because you didn't. It's going in the care package. <laughs> yeah, we're going to find. Yeah, yeah, we just didn't. I mean, I think I had a cell phone then, but like it wasn't like it is now. Yeah. Nothing is like it is now. Yeah. So you talk to each other. Right. Talk to each other. And, and just what, here's an idea. Just watch the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Right. So That's many people thing. are in the room like scrolling their their phones while the other actors are working because you're not working, but like, yeah, wouldn't it be nice to actually just watch and be part of the collaboration, even though you're not being used, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, saw, I saw Freestyle Love Supreme the other night yeah. and they lock up the phones. It's awesome. Because they want to have a collective feeling. They want people to pay attention mm-hmm. and also because it throws them because they're all How do you improvised. Mean? The, they take your phones and they put it in, the, they make you turn it off and then they put it in this locked sack that you that you sit with and they will not unlock the sack till the show's over. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. it's amazing because everybody's present. Yeah. I wonder if yeah. that's something that they're going to start to do more. I, I, it was yeah. great. Yeah. There's a whole bunch. Of, I read an article about this. There's a they whole just bunch wrote of about like, it in the Times. Yeah. There's a, big like, one. there's a there's a big sort of give and take about it. You know, in the in this 21st century and mm-hmm. you know and phones and the whole thing. It's worth reading. But I I think that it is so valuable and people want to say like you know, you know okay if you're a doctor. Th- that's it, you know, but there, I don't know. There's, there's ways to fix this problem, but I really right. hope that they do because to be able to sit in at Freestyle Love Supreme and not have a single phone go off and not have anybody, yeah. f- you know, nothing flash and nothing happen and to have nobody filming. I mean, the other night, like somebody's filming, you know, Casey was singing Monster. Somebody's filming in the third row. It's like, how, is, how am I supposed to, how is she supposed to do her job with also, that happening? Also, can't you just watch it? Yeah, just watch Why it. Why right. do you have to always prove that you were somewhere yeah. or prove that you met someone? I know. It's, it's really tough. Yeah. So I think that that's, the, that that's a huge thing. And also the, um, the instant gratification. Yeah. People just being so frustrated that they're not immediately getting what they, what they want right. or they're not immediately getting here. Right. Because right. my next question with that yeah. was, was like the perseverance element because that always just fascinates me for someone who's been in it. Like, and I feel like there's two types of actors, one who's going to do it kicking and screaming, going into the grave. And then the other is quitting all the time. And I fall in that second category where it's like every other day, I'm like, I can't do it. I'm quitting. And so how to persevere, I think, 
it, I, I would just love your thoughts on yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've, I look back on how hard I worked and I yeah. can't believe I did it because now I look at it and think I could never do that because mm. it just seems so tiring. Yeah. Now it seems <laughs> so tiring. When I was in my tw- 20s or thir- you know, early 30s, it wasn't. But yeah, I did all that like getting up in the morning, 6 a.m., waiting online, didn't right. have an agent until I had an agent. I started having an agent in the middle of rag time. Got it. Um, but I went to all those calls and I waitressed, wasn't yeah. someone who had a lot of money. So I did that thing that people do. And I just, you know, I had my days where I cried and I had my days where I, I think that, right. that I just had good friends. That's what right. you need is right. you need to be able right. to see your, your people and say, but I had money. I didn't, the, I didn't want to quit. I just kept going. I know I can do this. So yeah. I just kept pushing. Um, but I don't know how you do it. You just you just have to want it the most. You just and have you, to keep and going. And you just actually liked it that much. Yes. Right? You actually had the passion to actually put in that effort. You weren't just doing it because some teacher told you oh, to. Oh, no, I really wanted mm-hmm. to do it. And I also think I just kept working on new songs and taking. I kept taking classes and just yeah. trying to go, why isn't this working? Let me keep getting better, keep getting better, keep getting better. Yeah. So th- there was not a lazy bone in my body. Right. I will say I got to a point where... I I done uh, Les Mis, and then I did Aspects of Love, and then I didn't work for a really long time. Yeah, years and years. And I was I gave myself like two weeks. I had two more weeks of unemployment mm-hmm. insurance, I, mm-hmm. and then, but I really was like thinking, what else? Maybe I'll do jingles. I had all these ideas about something because I had been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. And then my friend Stephen Sutcliffe called and yeah. said. We're doing this ragtime, and the girl that you're perfect for this this track, and she's pregnant. She's not going to come with it. You should call Arnold Mangieli. And I called Arnold. He knew me because I did Aspects of Love, and I just said, "Can you get me an audition?" And I auditioned two days later, and then I got ragtime. So I was, but I was gone. I was done. Yes, I was, I right. was out the door. Done. Yes, right. I love that. So you know, you can keep persevering, but then sometimes you need breaks. Sometimes yeah, you have right. to say, "I can't do it anymore," and then you leave forever, or you come back with something lucky happens. Yeah. Right. But yeah. it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I understand when people give up because yeah. it's so hard. Yes. And I, but I do love, I mean, you said good friends and whether it's good friends, good friends or good family, like you just need somebody, you know, I'm so grateful for Dan and for Alex and for people like to not judge when you're like, I haven't, I haven't worked. Cause that was me after Cinderella. I, I had three Broadway shows and I didn't work for a year and a half. And I was like, and that's not even that long in the scheme of things. But this this dude and two of my buddies sat me down. And they were like, "It's okay." He was gonna quit the next day. We had had a lot really? of drinks, but it was like it was a big fight. It he was great. tried to kick us out of his house. Not oh yeah, I did. You did. I did. And and re, one of our so buddies you had like was, an intervention. It was we like did. a little intervention. We didn't know that that's what it was, but it turned into this intervention. And Joe wanted to quit. Still want to quit right now. And but <laughs> but the, the best part was, was somebody in the group was like, if you were a rich person, would you be doing anything else? And I still go back to that. Like, if you had all the money in the world, would you be doing anything else? And I was like, no, I would just be doing more of it. You know, if I didn't right. have to worry just about keeping my lights on. Money, right? and it's like, okay, well, then you're on the right track. So just find a way to persevere. <laughs> yeah. How did you, how did you come to come into teaching? Did you oh, always teach? Did uh, you? No, I never t- taught and I had no money. And um, <laughs> I remember that um, Leo Ash Evans, do you know? Leo? Yeah. Of well, course I do, you know obviously. Leo. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Leo. Uh, I did a workshop with him. I, I did like a reading for an NYU musical theater project mm-hmm. and we hit it off. And then he told me he did this thing and 
Um, I wrote him and said, I really want to teach. This was a long time ago. This was about eight years ago. Mm. And I met Ellen. Yeah. And um, I kind of bullshitted my way a little bit Mm -hmm. because I really wanted to do it. But I never had taught before. I just felt like I could. So when when I was starting out, like I would just listen to songs two hours a night, just try to get better at it. So I... So it was a learning curve for me as well. And it fell into my lap because I was broke. That's really what happened was I was broke. I didn't have any jobs on the horizon. I wasn't going to waitress anymore. Um, And I just needed to find a day job. And I saw that other people were doing it. And I thought, well, I'll try this, see if I like it. And it just worked out. Totally. Because I really do love it. Yeah. And what do you love about it? Uh, I love getting to help people with things that if I had someone who helped me when I was younger, I think it would have been... um, I think it would have helped me deal a little, little better, and I, I like move up, paying it forward, kind of thing where I can, whatever wisdom I have from many years of doing this, I can maybe help someone who's struggling, and um, more than anything, help them be calm. I feel like I'm a therapist more than a, oh yeah, musical theater teacher. I always felt like my voice teacher was like a therapist, and then I kind of stopped taking voice lessons when I moved to the city, and I was like, oh, I just need to get a therapist. Actually, yeah. Gavin. <laughs> Gavin, really? Gavin Creel said that. Gavin Creel said uh, to me, my senior year of college, he was, I was like, do you take voice lessons? And he's like, no, I just got a therapist. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I, like, that's, I love that. That's about, that's about right. So. I do think that, um, I think I'm helpful because pe- the kids see me as someone who's already, who gets it because right. I've been where they are. Yeah. I've done what they're doing. Uh, I'm not just, you know, pulling it out of the air. I actually get it when you tell me how frustrated you are. I get it when you tell me that you went to 15 auditions this week and no one liked you. I understand. Right. So I'm coming from it from the point of view, I'm coming at it from the point of view of I get it, but also, but I'm going to be a little tough on you now and say, too bad. If you want to do it, you've got to work really, really hard and you just got to push through that. What do you think that students struggle with the most? Mm, That's a really good question. Um, Knowing who they are and trusting that, as my friend Sierra says, you're enough. It's true, though. Because yeah, right. you're always trying to second guess what somebody wants, and you have no idea what they want. Right. So that's a foolish thing to waste time on, thinking you know what Rachel Hoffman wants. You don't know what right. she wants. So right. just try to find who, you know, what, what can you bring to it that nobody else can. Right. So that, I do think that there's that. And that doesn't mean being the most thing that you think Rachel Hoffman wants. That's right. Right? It's, a bit it's of like, a how trip. can you bring as much of your own self out of it, not how can you be the closest to what they want? I think the most successful people are the people who just figure out who they are the earliest yes. and with totally. the most conviction. Totally. Because you know? I still sometimes walk around, I'm like, I have no freaking idea what I'm doing. But like you will look at people. But the days work, when you do think you know absolutely. are the good days. That, those are the good days. Those are the good days. I think that that's a, that's a big thing. I, I, years ago when I did Les Mis, I understudied Fontaine. And Richard J. Alexander said, I want, I see you as this part, not Madam T, but you have to lose 30 pounds. And I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I never didn't understand that. Yeah. I never thought, how dare you? I thought, yeah, you told me what I needed to do and I didn't do it. So there you go. Yeah. I wasn't insulted by it. I knew yeah. who I was. Yeah. And then years later, I had actually lost a bunch of weight and I was playing a leading lady, which was in um, uh, Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. The first, the, not Penges, the one that was before it. And it was the first time I've ever played that kind of a part and been thin. And I was bad. And that's when I went, oh, it doesn't actually matter. I mean, it matters for your health and stuff. Sure, but actually, yeah. I'm more, I'm right for Miss Shields. Yeah. So it didn't actually matter. 
So I, I kind of figured it out, but I was yeah. always a realist about what I look like, who I am, what kind of roles I'm good for. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I love that. I love that. A lot of people are not. Yeah. A lot of people right. are not. Yeah, but, but I think that's part of training too. Like, I mean, we always joke about like, you know, going through musical theater college and like everyone, Patty Murin and I were joking about this last week that everyone is singing too high. <laughs> you're just like, Definitely. you just show up at school and you're like, I can sing high. That's right. and it's like, okay, well, some of you can. But like that's one of those versions of, you know, I'm trying to just... And yeah, it takes time. You have to figure it out. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. Right. Yeah. But self-awareness and I wish there was a way to train self-awareness the way... I guess that's what's good about acting school is like hopefully you're becoming more self-aware of like when when it's working and when it's not. Yeah. But that's the hardest thing is that like I see it all the time that people are trying to do things that really don't work for them, but they have no idea. I know. They got to figure it out for themselves. Because also, it, like, I could tell you something that's not working, but you're not going to... It's like a parent. Like, you have to figure it out for yourself. I, right. If you tell me, and I'm like, yeah, you're wrong. So... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also going to say right now, there's a lot of sensitivity. Yeah. I hope absolutely. I don't get in trouble for saying this, but, like, no. everybody's so sensitive that it's also hard to know what am I allowed to say? Right. Where am I crossing? I don't want to cross a line. Right, right. And that is a thing. Yeah. Everybody gets a participation trophy. It's yes. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think you need to be. I, I've had some teachers that were, or adults when I was younger who were a little harder on me than I think was necessary. Sure. But I think that that is a line that people are trying to navigate. Totally. Totally. I got one more question, and we've kept you longer than we thought. I'm is that fine, okay? as you long could, as you're not bored with no, me. No, not, not bored not, at all. Not literally, not at all. But my, my favorite question, unless you have another one to end with, is um, just the your, what's your impossible dream? That's kind of my favorite. Wow. Like, you know, next thing, where, where do you want to go? You've always, and that may be, I don't know. For you, you, you've loved this business. You love musical theater. You love everything about it and have for a long time. But like, what, what That's do you really see? That's really interesting. Um, I would like to be on a TV show that I shoot three times a week and just have, (laughs) yeah, I'm not saying that's easy. I know it's not easy. Yeah. But it's easier than eight shows a week. Yeah. I think that there's something about making some nice money for a change and getting to do a nice job that's fun and not hair uh, pulling. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that would be great. Mm -hmm. That kind of a a show. Yeah. Uh, I've done some TV and I've done some film, but to actually get that, to be that person who's on something regularly would be yeah. amazing. I'm sure we all yeah. feel that that would be amazing. <laughs> well, definitely. Right. After you've been on Broadway for a while, it is, and anybody who comes from the TV world who's been a regular on many shows will show up on Broadway and be like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And you've seen this at, at Waitress, Dan, because a lot of people come in and they're like, oh my God, this Broadway yes. grind is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that that's... And actually, I don't usually show. play roles that are vocally demanding and the first one I had to do was Broadway Bounty Hunter recently and I loved it but I also was like wow people who sing sing have Mm. to sing like this every night right that is and Annie Golden sang it great every night and was amazing but it was it's a whole different thing you really are the person who doesn't drink milk and puts on scarves (laughs) I've never been that person (laughs) because I've never had to be right Right. but I did have to be for that show so that was that's an interesting thing too but yeah I think just something that I think as you get older you want to find things that are fun and slash easy that doesn't mean I don't want to be challenged my favorite things to do musically are still that I love working with the newer composers yeah just because uh, I it's a new voice. I love oh, right. working with Joe. I've yep. been wanting to work with him for years and that was really fun. Totally. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, we'll do that. no, I don't need, I don't need to be the star in a show. Yeah. 
I, I've never been someone that needed to be needed that. I, I'm very happy being like the best friend or the sidekick or the, I like being the funny parts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. you know where you fit and you yeah. like the process. You yeah. like working hard, which is I really do. important. Yeah. I love that. And thank you so much for talking thank you with so us. Thanks for this having so me, fun. guys. <laughs> this is, this is guys awesome. who love theater. Musicals. Musical yeah, theater. Basically, guys yeah. who like musicals. We like plays too, so. Yeah, and we like TV. Guys we like who love movies. Broadway would work. Yeah, yeah who knows? The, n- the name is still in beta. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's stuck now. <laughs> I like that name. <laughs> anyway, we love you. Thank, thank you so much. Go see Sing Street, everyone, if you can get tickets. Yeah. It's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.